Hello, my fellow seasoned athletes, and welcome to the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. I'm your host, Robin Leggett. The Seasoned Athlete Podcast is your home for stories, inspiration, motivation, training tips, and more directly from elite athletes from a wide variety of sports who all share one common bond. They are all over 40 years old. We're here to prove one story at a time that age doesn't have to prevent you from achieving your bold athletic and fitness goals. You can learn more about this podcast at seasonedathlete.me. And if you like what you hear, please subscribe, share with everyone you know, and give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And now, on with the show. Welcome to Episode 6 of the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. Today, I'll be interviewing 25-time Ironman Triathlon World Championship competitor, Laura Sophia. Before we get to that, though, I am super excited to introduce a brand new segment called Everyday Seasoned Athlete. In this segment, you'll get to hear the stories of athletes over age 40 from a variety of backgrounds and skill levels. People who are just like you and me, getting out there and trying new things and challenging and pushing themselves in their own ways. Our Everyday Seasoned Athletes will be sharing why they do what they do and what they've learned along the way, all in their own words. For our first Everyday Seasoned Athlete, we'll be sticking with the triathlon theme. Meet Everyday Seasoned Athlete, Sarah Wooten. Hi there, my name is Sarah Wooten. I am a 40-year-old mom of three, and I am a triathlete. The reason why I participate in triathlon is because it is one of the most difficult things I have done sport-wise in my entire life. And in some ways, it's been really discouraging because of that. When I went from a good solid middle of the pack runner in most foot races, I actually ended up spending a couple of years at the back of the pack of a triathlon. And I got to tell you, that is super discouraging. And I was out there a lot of times on the run course by myself in the heat of the day. And the run is the last event that you compete in when you are a triathlete. And so I'd be out there on the run course all by myself you know, they're packing up the aid stations and it's hot and I would break down in tears several times. I remember, and that was like just last year. And so why do I do this? I have a saying, I may be done with triathlon, but triathlon is not done with me. And so the reason why I continue to compete in triathlon is because it is so hard and it is so challenging and it forces me to become a better athlete and a better person, honestly. It forces me to develop mental toughness. Um, it forces me to develop um, perseverance um, and develop a non-quitting spirit. All of those things that I can use in every aspect of my life. And so that's why I continue to compete. Also, I'm part of a super cool women's triathlon team called Team LC that was spearheaded by Leanda Cave last year. And the whole purpose of the, the team, we've got elite athletes and then we've got age groupers like me, but the whole purpose behind the team is just to inspire more women into the sport of triathlon because we need to support each other in this sport. I'm happy to report that I am no longer a back of the packer. Um, I continued on and I actually came in 12th in my age group at my last triathlon, which is pretty awesome for me since I compete in Colorado, where it seems like everybody is a triathlete. My best advice for um, anybody who is going to be thinking about participating in triathlon or continue to compete into um, their senior years is that you take 
um, you take it, it all on in chunks, right? So you don't think about an entire triathlon. Um, if you think about everything that you have to do, you have to swim, you have to ride a bike, then you have to run. It can get really overwhelming. So just break it down into chunks because brains love chunks and just focus on doing the next thing and do that to the best of your ability. The other thing is to know that you are worth it. You are worth the training. You are worth doing your best out there um, and make a promise to yourself and keep that promise because you are somebody who is worth keeping a promise to. My name is Sarah Wooten and I am a seasoned athlete. If you're over age 40 and participate in a sport at any level, go to seasonedathlete.me slash everyday to find out how you can be featured as an everyday seasoned athlete in an upcoming episode. And now let's get to know our featured guest, 25-time Ironman World Championship competitor and nine-time World Championship age group title holder, Laura Sophia. Hi, Laura. Hi, Robin. How are you? I'm great. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Oh, I'm so happy to be doing this. Yay. So are you ready to drop some seasoned athlete knowledge on our listeners today? I certainly am. I have a lot of that. Oh, good. So Laura, you are a mother and grandmother currently living in Atlanta, Georgia. You're a former teacher turned triathlon coach, and you've been racing triathlons for 32 years. You qualified for your first Ironman World Championship race in Kona, Hawaii in 1988, knowing very little about the race at the time. You won your first age group title in Kona in 2001 and have won nine Ironman World Championship age group titles since then. And this year, you're going back for your 26th race after recovering from a severe knee injury and subsequent surgery. So is there anything vital personally, professionally, or from your athletic life that you'd like to take a moment to fill in? Um, I, I think I would say I'm 61 years old. And as you said, I've been at this sport for 32 years. And it's something that I just love. It is and has been a passion for mine forever. And I love to share that with people and talk to people about when they're getting into it. But it's just um, my passion and, and not everyone understands that, but my family understands it and they respect who I am because it is not something that's very easy along the way. But I think if you have a passion and love anything, and for me, it, it has been triathlons, I think that's a great thing to have in life. And I think I've always told my kids, whatever your passion is, you need to find it as you grow older and have babies and start you know, moving forward in your life, you need to also have a passion, a whatever that is for them. So I really believe that's important. Uh, I couldn't agree with you more. And I, I can so relate to that. I played roller derby for many years and that was my passion. That's uh, awesome. Thank you. And it's a, it's much like what I gleaned from what you said. It can be a labor of love. It can be time consuming. It can be demanding. Yeah. And it can require a lot of the people around you to support that and be patient with that. Yes. So I completely understand, but I also understand how important it is to find that passion and to follow that passion. So like I said, I couldn't, couldn't agree with you more. Oh, great. Because it is, as you said, like a labor of love. It, it really is. And no matter what, it's a little bit um, selfish sport because it's something you can't do with your family necessarily. So, um, you know, getting the understanding with that, with everyone in your life is, is key to making, and probably was key for me to have it become my passion. Yes, absolutely. So I know you mentioned it, but I'm going to have you mention it again. From here, I'm going to ask you the big question that I ask all my guests. And that is, what is your age at this moment in time? I am 61 years old. 
I find that so hard to believe, but I am 61 years old. And based on everything I've read about you, I also find it hard to believe, but also <laughs> based on the people I'm talking to in this podcast, I'm finding it easier and easier to believe because I'm just getting to meet so many remarkable people who are all, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s and beyond. And yeah, just learning how how much is possible at any age, really. So it's both unbelievable and more and more believable. And I'm hoping that through this podcast and through the stories that that you'll be telling today, more and more people can believe in themselves. Yes, I ha- I mean, just one point I want to add to that is I started my triathlons in my 30s, maybe 30 and and was not super successful for 15 years. I mean, it is a sport that with consistency over time, you just get better. And my fastest times were in my fifties, which people find hard to believe, but I just truly believe that it takes time unless you're, you know, a gifted athlete to begin with, which I never was. I was a cheerleader. So I think that people understand that you can, it doesn't matter your age. Ultimately, it just doesn't. It really doesn't. And in some cases, you actually can be at your prime at an older age when it comes to athletics. Yes. And maybe people don't believe that. But I think as the generations move forward and people become older, they see that. And probably for me being in my 50s, my kids were pretty much two kids were already in college. You know, things were just became a little bit easier overall. So that's part of it as well. So, yeah, when you when your kids get older, when they potentially move off or move away, this could be a really good time to pursue a sport if that's something you've always considered doing. Yes. So you were saying that you were a cheerleader when you were younger. Did you play any other sports when you were growing up? Um, you know, I tried out for the track team in ninth grade in high school and quit after a week. I just couldn't stand running. And so I always go back to that as something that that was me. And back then I did no other sport. None. I I just didn't. I didn't care about that. All I cared about was cheerleading and, you know, my friends and, you know, just, just probably very similar to kids today. They find one thing and that's what they want to do. But I always tell people I quit track and then I became a runner later on in life, like 15 years later. But it is, again, it's within reason to, you can go from nothing athletically to being a, you know, a good athlete. Oh yeah. And it really, it has to come when you're ready. Yes. I hated running. I'm relating to you so much on this. I have not branched into the triathlon level yet, but you will. (laughs) I feel like I'm on that. I'm on that track. I totally am. But I always blew off running in PE. I hated running. I used to say I would never run until I decided to run. And I, you know, you have to be ready. You have to be ready for that and be open to that. And then you can find that it takes time. It takes practice. You start at the beginning, you start slow. Oh yeah. But we all have that capacity to adapt and learn and improve. And when that happens, it's kind of a magical thing because you just kind of keep wanting more, right? Yes, you do. So how did you find your way into running as an adult and eventually into triathlons? Um, actually I found my way into triathlons and not running. Immediately. That was yeah. your first your first opening. I would say what they would call us they called us back then were pool moms in the local pool. In the summer we'd line up in our lawn chairs and our, our babies would be, you know, in the shallow end. And the local um lifeguard in the pool said, I'm doing this triathlon called Anchor Bay, which was in Michigan, and said, Why don't you why don't you ladies all sign up? So about four of us did. I'm the only one left standing of the group that started back then. But I mean that was my first experience doing anything athletic, you know, I mean, I did swim until I was 12. So I had a, you know, 
It had been a long time though. So I started with the triathlon first and had never run a block, never didn't own a bike. And I knew I wouldn't drown in the lake. So that's how I got my start was the lifeguard, local lifeguard, trying to get these pool moms <laughs> who are tanning something you shouldn't be doing, you know, out and about. And he took us out. I borrowed my um, husband's bike and didn't know a thing about a gear, didn't know anything, never changed my gears, you know, used tennis shoes. And I think they were cages maybe back then in my shoes. My feet fit into these cages on the pedals. And, uh, you know, it was a blast. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing and I didn't care. And it was a sprint. So that was a, that's a perfect way to start. And I'd never run three miles. I didn't even run that far to get ready for it. I just said, well, you know, I should be able to get through three miles. That's not going to be hard. <laughs> and it was hard. It was hard, uh, you know, but it's, that's how I got my start. I love the attitude though. I love that. It's like, screw it. I'm just going to do it. Yeah. Figure it out. I'll figure it out. Yeah. I'm not going to die. I'm just, you know, figure it out as you go. So let's talk about triathlons for a second. For those who aren't familiar, explain what a triathlon is. And then you mentioned that your first one was a sprint. So maybe talk a little bit about the different lengths. So a triathlon is um, swim, bike and run all together, all in one day. And you always swim first, then you bike and then you run and you swim first because they say if you bike, run and swim, they would have more people who might not make it out of the water in a timely fashion. So they have always had the swim first. And then there's different distances. So I began my first year, I just did sprint triathlons. And that's about mm, 600 yards of swimming, which is uh, 30 lengths, maybe um, not no 24 lengths in a pool, not very far. And then a 12 mile bike and a three mile run. And that's a, pretty much the, a distance of a sprint triathlon. And then they have Olympic, which is a mile swim, a 25 mile bike and a six mile run. And then from there, it goes on to a half Ironman, which is 1.2 miles of swimming, 56 of bike, and 13.1 running. And then the Ironman distance, which is 2.4 miles, 112 miles on the bike, and a 26-mile run. So that's kind of the – I mean, there's actually ultras as well, but the mainstream people usually go into those – between those four, between a sprint and an Ironman, depending on what they're what they want to do. Um, but it's always great to start with a sprint, get your feet wet. Oh, for sure. And it, so triathlon, it's just much like any other race where it's like you can like with a running race, you start with a 5K, then there's a 10K, half marathon, marathon, ultra. And triathlon just has its own version of that. Right. And there's different corporations that own different events. And in Georgia, we have a lot, we have like two big companies and they do all these sprints, which I love to do because if I do an Ironman distance race, it's great to do sprints and you meet people. I have met people that I've known for 30 years racing. And I, and I say, that's just, to me, that's an amazing thing because you have something in common. You all come together at this event and then you have time after to talk. And, and there are people that I've been friends with that long. And, you know, that's very special to me that, and it doesn't matter if I don't see them until the following year. And I see them and it's like, you, you know, you just don't miss a beat kind of with, you know, friends that you make within the sport. It's a, it's very cool. I think. Yeah. The sporting community, whether, whatever the sport is, roller derby has its own community. It's a worldwide yeah. community. I'm in, I'm into obstacle racing and Spartan racing. And I just got into oh, that wow. in the last couple of years. And awesome. uh, yeah. And so I'm, I'm getting to know the community there and it really is this cool common bond that you, you all support each other and you might compete against each other at a race, but ultimately off the course. You know, right, right, right. And that's just it. You can be competitive as you as, be as competitive as you, as you wish and or not. But you're still at the end 
it's like, you, you know, you kind of just talk shop at the end. And that's what's so, you know, it's an amazing part, which because I wasn't an athlete growing up, I didn't have that community that I have now. And so, you know, the older I become, it's kind of an important community to to develop those friendships. And so that's, you know, I think where my lifelong passion and love of the sport has come as well. Yeah, I could definitely keep you in it, that community and those friendships. And, and, yeah. and it's great because it's, it's healthy. Everybody in it lives healthy lives generally. And generally. so they're all generally, but they're all, yeah, you're all supporting each other in this really cool, healthy habit that yes. you're, all, you're all living healthy, air quote healthy, because sometimes it becomes obsessive. Well, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So beyond the community, what is it about triathlons that made you fall in love with them? Um, I think what I what I first realized is one that I had a little bit of a competitive edge in me that I I had no idea, actually, because I never really did anything competitively. I mean, I always wanted to be better than my sisters because I have three sisters, but that's just kind of a, a natural thing. I was the one who was you know, kind of the one who caused issues in the family, you know, so I was, I, you know, I knew that as a kid, but, you know, having not really competed in any sport. So I think I found that I was very, I liked the competition, but um, I just, I liked the ability to do three different things. And each time I raced, it was always different. You swam in a different body of water. You, um, you know, maybe you, I've even done them in the pool, you know, biking. I turned out that I love to ride a bike just love it. I love the feeling of being outside and racing. I just, you know, that little edge is really important to me because I turns out I'm an outdoor person that I didn't know living in my body. And, and then the run, um, you know, as I said, I've never been a runner, didn't even like running, but over time I did come to like it. And it's, you know, one of the things you can do anywhere you are in the world, which is the other part about it that came to be for me that I wasn't expecting. Yeah. I love that about running too, as I have grown to become a runner. It's like, yes. you can get fresh air, you can yeah. do it anywhere. You can go on vacation and get a run in no matter where you are. Right. You know that you can go on a trip and the hotel gym can be total crap, but you right. can go, you can go get a run and you can get a solid workout in. Yes. That was something I learned over time. I didn't know that over time. So, yeah. um, in the beginning I had no idea, but that's important. That's an important learning to get over time. Yeah. 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 So how did you find your way to doing Ironman triathlons? In uh, 88, I did this race called Muncie Endurathon, which they actually still have. It's a half Ironman distance. And I qualified there by coming in eighth overall. And I got a spot to Kona. And honestly, I didn't even know what that was because we didn't have the internet back in the 80s. <laughs> and, uh, but I, I qualified and the race was six weeks later. So my husband said, yeah, let's, you know, let's go do it. So that was my first experience going all the way out to Kona. And, uh, it was, you know, I loved it. And I, and I was on the course at, for, you know, 11 hours and 45 minutes. I mean, it was, I had no idea. Like I ate fig Newtons and I, you know, I ate whatever Dave Scott said he ate because I did find out what you needed to eat. But I, I literally did one long run with pushing a baby in a baby jogger. Cause I had a baby at the time. So I took her with me and we ran 20 mile, I did one 20 mile run. I did one 100 mile bike by myself. And, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go. So, and I went, and then I went back the next year and ended up on the podium and took 55 minutes off my times. And was, that's when I was hooked. So when you mentioned Kona, uh, that's the world championships, right? Yes. Okay. Um, the Ironman world Championships has been in Kona since gosh, maybe 1985. I think they have it there every single year, every year. And that's Kona, Hawaii, right? On the big Island, on the big Island yeah. of Hawaii. Okay. Yeah. So you got your first 
podium. It was 88. It was actually 88 because 87 was my first experience there. And then I went back in 88 and got on the podium and for the first time. I think I finished fourth. Actually, I'm looking at my thing. I finished fourth in, in the 30 to 34 age group. Okay. <laughs> so, in 88. In 88. Yes. 88. So yeah. And that hooked you. Hooked me. Yeah. My husband that year, my husband bought me a real bike, you know, um, you know, a triathlon bike instead of his road bike. And yeah, it was, you know, I learned a little bit about things. I found people at home that would ride a bike with me. I didn't know anybody that rode a bike. And so it just, I mean, back then we had, um, I did the national championships, which were in Hilton Head. I think it was in 87. And I went through that. They gave you, they sent you in the mail, uh, a booklet of everybody who raced. And I literally went through the book and found who lived in, in the, you know, Detroit area. And then I looked their phone number up in the phone book. So this is all, you know, foreign to young people. <laughs> if there's any, if there's any millennials listening or any kids listening, they, you are speaking another language. I right know, now. I know. For my fellow seasoned athletes, this yeah. all feels very familiar. Yeah. So I found this woman named Jan and we've been friends ever since, since 1987. And whenever I get back to Michigan, which is quite often, I go, I call her up and we always go for a ride. So, um, that's, you know, that's how, once I found a person, I think that's really important is that you have someone who will do something like with you, you know, that likes to ride a bike. And we, we just, it worked out well for us. You know, we were there through each other's babies and, you know, just as life changes for you. And, and, um, you don't get to say that about a lot of people in life. So, uh, that's just very cool. Yeah. I imagine, and I'm, I'm hearing these stories more and more about the friendships forged in these types of sports. And I, I imagine, you know, it takes a really strong level of commitment to even do this type of sport. Right. Um, so when it comes to the people you meet, I imagine like it, it's not surprising to me that these friendships become long time, really tight knit friendships because you are just by nature, a very determined and committed person. And so, right it would, it would then kind of venture out beyond the sport itself into the friendships. Right. Which is great. And, you know, you don't really always see that like in a, in a job situation, I taught for 30 years. I mean, you know, I had good friends in teaching, but I didn't have like training friends. That was a separate part of my existence to them and to me. And so, you know, I didn't really have that through work. So I think, and, and right through time, you, you become better and better friends because you, you know, you might see each other on the weekend for a ride and eventually, you, you know, talk about, you know, life basically. And, you know, we're still friends. My friend Jan just had a double knee, partial knee replacements. And, you know, I was home when she had, I mean, it's just very cool that we still have that connection that started with in 1985, because I found her name in a book for triathlons, you know, so I love that. Yeah. I love that. And back before the internet, when you had to dig around really hard to find people. Yes, you did. It wasn't so easy. It wasn't as easy as me finding you for this interview. No, I'm glad no, I'm not okay. doing this back in 1985. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's so true. So Laura, among your many triathlon accomplishments over the years, you've earned nine Ironman World Championship age group titles, right? Yes. And this year, you're going back to Kona for your 26th Ironman World Championship race. Yes. But you've been recovering from a pretty severe knee injury, which resulted in you having to sit out of last year's race entirely. So can you talk about what your experience has been dealing with this injury and how you've been able to recover and regain the ability to compete this year? Yeah. So in 2015, in the summer, they told me I had like tendonitis in my quad. So I'm like, well, okay. So that, you know, we thought that healed. And I went and, and raced Conan. I had just turned 60. So I'm like, I'm the baby of the age group. So, you know, I'm, my goal is to win, you know, so I 
I, I never knew if I was going to even finish that race because up to that point I'd been on crutches even like three days before because something else was going on. And my doc said, you know, you, all you can do is go do it. And if you have to walk, you have to walk. Or if you have to drop out, you have to drop out. But, you know, swimming and biking, we're not, we're pain free. So I did it. I, I got to the marathon. The, the great part was I had over a 30 minute lead off the bike, which allowed me to run, you know, my slowest marathon in Kona and won by four minutes. And then subsequently, after that, when I came home and I went to see, you know, a doctor's highly respected surgeon, he told me what I needed to do. And so the first in that November in 2015, he did a surgery, which turned out to be the, the completely wrong surgery. He never looked at my body as why this happened in the first place. So it turns out that I had a, a hole in my femur bone. So, you know, he, he didn't address that. He did something else. Um, and I was in agony pain for two more months. And then he told me the surgery was a success and I would be running in two weeks. Well, I never ran a step. And then I was given, it's amazing how the world works because I had no idea what to do at that point. And a friend of mine talked to her doctor who talked to another doctor and I went to see him and he said, I can't help you. This is pretty severe. You need to go see this doctor. So I got to this fantastic surgeon named Dr. Kircher out of Peachtree Orthopedics in Atlanta. And he looked at me and said, you know, I've never done it on someone your age, the surgery that you need, um, but you have good cartilage surrounding it. So he said, you know, can I guarantee you are ever going to run again? I don't know, but I want to guarantee that you're going to walk pain-free because I couldn't walk pain-free. So he looked at my whole body and realized that the reason I had a hole in my femur was that because my gait is off. So I have mild scoliosis on my right-hand side and it's my right knee. So probably over the years, my gait started going through my femur when it should go down the middle of your knee. Most everybody else's would do that. So you know, it's just one of those things that happened to my body. I never had a knee issue until I had a knee issue. And then it was pretty traumatic. So he also, so he had, did a surgery called an allograph where you, I was on a transplant list for two months waiting for a cadaver bone to fill the hole. And the cadaver had to come from a child so that it would grow within my leg and be healthy and strong because my cartilage would not, you know, 61 years old. So he, and then he also had to break my tibia bone and move that um, 10 degrees to the, to the right. So it was a, a major reconstruction surgery. I was on crutches for 10 weeks. Uber and I became best friends. In fact, they asked me to be a driver for Uber because that's all I could use because I couldn't drive because it was my right leg. So I Ubered everywhere that I needed to go for eight, eight full weeks. Um, so that was kind of a, a, you know, oh, I can drive for Uber and make $1,500 a, a week. So I never did, but it was just kind of funny. That's what they thought I would want to do. Um, and then it's just been a recovery process ever since, ever since. And uh, I had no idea what to expect. I didn't. And, uh, but you know, what, what I will say about any injury and then just life in general, that if you can persevere, have patience, you know, and the courage to believe. And the thing that my doctor gave me was belief. He said, you'll run again. And for me to hear that from somebody and believe it and know that's what he really wanted for me. And I want it for myself. He said, you'll get back to Kona. He says, I don't know when, but you'll get back there. Um, so having that belief, you have to have that or it's hard to heal without it. I, I mean, I, I truly believe that after going through 18 months of this, I didn't run a step for 18 months. I could not. 
So um, after I finished Kona, Kona was my last run in 2015, October 2015. And then I just went to China on the 1st of, 1st of April and did my first run in China. So um, did I, I actually did a half marathon, half Ironman, sorry, in China. So, I mean, it's been a journey that you have to, more than anything, you have to believe in it and you have to follow what they tell you to do. And it's really hard as a driven athlete. It's very hard. Oh yeah. I totally understand that. So you went on your first run that was April of this year? Yeah. April 1st, I actually did a triathlon having not run a step. How did that go for you? Um, I actually won my age group and um, actually, there, so there are only six women in my age group in the race, but I had the fastest run, which to me was like, not something, I, I don't even know what my run will be like. You know, I, I, there, I had no expectations. I didn't even know if I'd finish that race. But I think you, you know, if you can develop anything but a sense of determination is really important. And I was determined. And, as, and he said, I don't think you'll have pain. But you have to monitor that pain and you, you'll know if it hurts. My bone, my actual broken tibia bone was completely healed and it has a plate and four screws in it. So at six months, that was completely healed as strong as ever. So I, I knew I was going to break that again. So that, that was actually kind of nice to know going in. But the, the allograft, I worried that pounding would dislodge it. And he said, no, probably not at this point because we were eight months post-surgery. Um, so, yeah, it, that was also an amazing thing. And so that's actually what's going to lead me back to Kona this year. And when is Kona? It is October 14th. Okay. I'm still not running on the ground. I did one run on the ground. It was 13 miles on cement. And, you know, they don't really want me to run much on the ground. So water run, I have access to an Alter G machine, uh, which is a treadmill that is a percentage of your body weight, which is an awesome machine. I mean, I have to pay for it, but it, it's, it's, you know, money well spent in my mind. And I run a little bit. She let me do 10 minutes on the treadmill last week. So I well, hopefully in six months, I'll be able to run 26 miles. <laughs> right. Well, if you could do, you did 13 in uh, yeah. China and that was your first time running yeah. since the injury. Like I, I, you talk about you believing, I believe. Yeah. And the thing is, it's not just uh it wasn't even the knee that hurt. It's all the other muscles and ligaments and tendons that aren't used to being pounded on the ground. Yeah. Every, everything had atrophied a little bit. Yeah. My back hurt more than my knee. <laughs> I'm like, why is my back hurt? I don't, I've never had a back issue, but yeah. So again, hopefully in four months, she'll say you need to practice a little bit on the ground, but currently that is not in her plan for me, my, my PT's plan. Well, good job listening to your PT. Yes. I know that's, it takes a lot of discipline, just like it takes discipline to train, but it sounds right. like it, it sounds like it's heading in the right direction. Yeah, I hope so. So let's talk about the entirety of your race career for a second. So, and I don't know if you'll be able to just answer this question. Maybe you can. How many triathlons do you think you've done over the years? Because this is my 32nd year, I probably have done close to 300. And I only would say that because in back when I lived in Michigan, there was races every weekend and I loved to race and my husband was game. So I would go and do sprints or Olympic distance, mostly sprints and Olympic distance races. And I would do 10 or 11 a season, almost every weekend. Um, and we'd, you know, pack the kids up and, you know, there's always a water and we'd play. And so it was kind of like a family thing almost in the beginning. And then once it got to be bigger, they're like, we don't want to go mom. So um, I would say I'm probably 
close to 300. Well, congratulations on doing that. That's a significant number. It is not insignificant for sure. No, I know. But you know, when you, there are people like that, like me out there, because I know them. Yeah. Can you take us back to your worst, hardest or most difficult race? Um, yeah, I have two. In 1998, I was in Hawaii and my kids were bigger and you know, I just, um, I don't know. I was out on, I did the swim and bike fine and I was running fine. And at nine miles, I came to a complete stop and had to walk the remaining, was that 17 miles and was throwing up and just, I was, I don't even to this day, I don't know about it. I'm, but you always remember those ones that you don't get, you know, you don't understand why that happened. It happened. I walked and I finished in like 13 and a half hours. And I was, and I remember walking on the side, side of the road, telling other athletes also walking that I, I was never doing this again. You know, this was just too hard, something, you know, it's hard of my body, whatever. And, you know, but with, and I didn't go back in 99. And then when I went back in 2000, I'm like, oh, you know, I can do this again. So um, that stayed with me. And then I can't remember what year it was, but I did Ironman Wisconsin to try and qualify to come back to Hawaii um, the next year. So um, and they do similar races like at, after Hawaii. So this was the beginning of September and um, I didn't finish. And that's the first time in all my races, I never finished a race. And that one sticks with me. So I can tell people the one thing you want to do is always try and finish unless you have to be taken off the course for medical reasons. But, you know, not finishing, I can remember every aspect of that. And I had had a flat tire and then you, you use a CO2 cartridge um, because you don't really carry a bike pump with you. And the adapter, which the cartridge goes into, broke in half because I was so frantic to get it on my bike instead of taking the time. And I broke it in half and I was just on the sidelines for 25 minutes before somebody said, oh, do you need some help? Let me help you. And they stopped. They stopped their race to help me. But by then I'd been so, I was so far back and I'd finished one loop of the run. So I'd finished 13 miles and I was going to finish, you know, pretty far back, but it wasn't about winning. It was more that I needed, I was doing another race in eight weeks. And, and it, to me, it was like, I didn't need to do finish this. So I dropped out, but it's uh, one of those painful memories that you have because, you know, one of the things that I pride myself on is that I do persevere and I always believe that you can make things happen. And I just couldn't. And I, and I let that get to me, which, you know, is one of my, when I think about things that go wrong in life and it's one of those things that's up there, even though it's just a race, it was something that I quit. And, you know, that's, that was hard for me. And I still think about it. So would you say the most important thing you learned is always finish, finish what always you start? finish. Yeah. Finish what you start. And, and I don't, you know, like in 2015, when I had no idea if I would even run a step, I said, I can walk this whole thing if I have to. I can walk 26 miles. I think I had, you know, you have 17 hours to finish an Ironman. So I, I think at that point I was probably at, you know, by the time it, it actually started to ache about 11 miles in. So I had 15 to go. So I just, I did the math and I'm like, I can finish. I might finish in 16 hours, but I can still finish. So I knew I would not drop out at that point. In my life, you know, there are times when I just want to throw my hands up and say, you know, I can't do this anymore. And, and, and I talked to my kids about that too. And, and when I was a teacher, I talked about that because I used to always, after I did my Ironman, one of the things they'd have me do is they'd have all the sixth graders come in and I'd tell them all about the race and I'd bring my bike and I'd, you know, show my shoes because everything was very different to them, you know, in their world. So it was just very cool. And, you know, I talk about that. I always talked about that. 
about finishing what you start. Yeah, it's such an important life lesson that can apply to so many different things. And what I like about that is I talk to people who are of a variety of ages who think about running, but they're a little bit scared about it. And it's like, you know, maybe I'll do a 5k, but I don't know. And it's like the message I'm getting from you here is that it doesn't matter whether or not you come in first or last. And it doesn't matter if you run or walk you can get past that finish line. You can absolutely right. get past that finish line. And it's an amazing feeling no matter what. Oh, I mean, I still cry when I cross the finish line. When I was in China, I just bawled when I crossed the finish line because I, you know, had, you know, I had no idea what would happen. But, but the other thing that goes along with all of that is that you have to believe, like you have to believe that you can accomplish your goal, whatever it is that you set out to do. And I think, I think one of the hardest things is that people are really tough on themselves, both physically and mentally. And, and when you take, you don't believe in your equation, that's not part of what you can't just say, okay, I'm going to be stressed out about this race. I get it. That's just part of it. But you have to, I always say when the, when they shoot the cannon off or they yell go or whatever, you just sort of have to let that all go by the wayside and believe that you're here for a reason. You're here to accomplish your goal, whatever that is. And it is, you're right. It's not about time. It's not about place. It's about you and getting through getting through that. Yeah. And I, I just think that the believing in yourself is the piece that people don't always get. You know, they don't do. That's true. Yeah. I agree with you. And and it and belief and adrenaline can take you really far yes. in the race. Adrenaline. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's key. Yes. So we talked about your hardest races. Tell me about your favorite race. My favorite race in Ironman was in 2005. Yeah, I had just turned 50. And I had the perfect race. I think I ran my fastest race. I led from just after the swim. I came in on the bike ahead of them. And, and, I, and I had a great run. And it just felt easy. And I've done 25 of them. And I would say I've had two that felt like it all comes together. So you have to know in just any racing, or probably even like life too, is that not everything's going to just flow the way you want it to. It doesn't. So um that was, I mean, I just remember smiling and, and finishing that race and just thanking God that I, that it felt like this because I'd never felt a race that was easy like that. And it, not easy because they weren't close to me, but just easy because I was able to do what my plan was. And that rarely happens. It has happened twice in 25 times. <laughs> in over 300-ish races. Yeah. And, and I'd say the other cool thing is that Triathlon's taken me all over and, uh, you know, that I raced in China or that I've raced in Europe or that I go to different states that I've never been to. I mean, I was in Vermont for a race. I mean, just those experiences alone were probably something I would never would have done in in life in general for me. But um, now it's just part of the journey actually. It's a really easy excuse to take a vacation somewhere. Kind of is. Yeah. yeah. My my husband and I joke about this quite a bit because I'm always wanting to go on quote unquote fitness vacations. Yes. You know, it's like there's a race in the state. Let's go to yeah. vacation yeah. there, you know. Yes. So I love crafting trips around races and he's like, can we just go on a vacation that's not a fitness vacation just once? Right. Just yeah. once. Just yes. once. Nope. The answer is no. no. I'll probably still run. I'll probably still, you know, I might not take my bike, but you know, I'm, I'm, you know, yes. So yeah, no, I get you. So how and when did you end up transitioning from teaching, which you did for 32 years over to triathlon coaching? So when I, I actually left after 30 years and took a leave of absence to try something else, to come to Atlanta, to just see what life would be like in a different place. 
And so in that year that I had, you know, was not physically in a classroom, I, um, I decided to start my own coaching business for triathlon. And, and, you know, eight years ago, almost nine, there were not very many coaches. Now there, you can find them everywhere. And that's great. I mean, that the business end of it took off so well, but what I found is that I had my passion for teaching. I love kids. I taught middle school for 30 years. I mean, I did all the dances. I did all the fundraisers. I did all the assemblies. I mean, that was just something I loved to do. And so I, I found that, over time, I started with like three athletes and, and actually I still coach two of them off and on to this day. You know, they call me and say, I need this. And some, one is just a runner and one's a triathlete. So, I mean, and their names are Julie and Therese. And it's just very cool for me that people will still look me up over time. But so I took my passion for teaching and my love of triathlons and decided I'd go for a business. First, I tried to do it with friends and I'm like, Laura, you can do this by yourself. And I just and what ended up starting my own business. You know, it's just, again, it's just my love of teaching and sharing and then sharing something I understand and get because I've done so many of them and then making a plan for them and making them see that. And probably my biggest challenge as, I, as I'm moving forward is, is that people, the mental part of it becomes such a tough game, you know, for people in general. Because again, they, they don't always believe they're as good as they are or, or, you know, whatever it is. So I've learned, you know, through the years, what, what I, ha- I need to, I need to do to become a better coach. And, uh, aside from getting, giving them swim, bike and run workouts, you know, it's also part of who you are. So that's, I talk to people every week and that is key to me because now, now I know about them and their lives and their families and, you know, things like that. And I mean, I have people in Australia and Japan and Canada and all over the United States and it's, you know, you don't get to see them. I see the ones in Atlanta, but I don't see the ones outside of Atlanta. So, you know, there's Skype and FaceTime and we do that. But, you know, so through the years it's evolved, but I'm always learning, which I love. It's so interesting that triathlon coaching or coaching in general, it's beyond just providing workouts. It's you get really into the the mental game aspect of it. Yes. And the people. Yeah. And the people in their lives. And it's it's such a it's such a time demand on people's lives that you really have to get to know them as people and really understand how their lives are working and how this fits into their lives. Yeah. What types of unique challenges or perhaps conversely benefits do you find that you encounter as an older athlete training and competing at this level that you were doing? The number one benefit, it gives you a healthy lifestyle. I didn't always eat healthy. I mean, 20 years ago, it was pizza and pasta before a race. And now it's like a piece of protein, you know, a potato, a sweet potato. So you learn, I have learned anyway, to eat healthier, much healthier, and to feel good about who I am. And not just body, but just to feel good about what I'm putting in my body. So, and as an older, as a younger athlete, I did not care. I didn't care. I'd have a glass of wine, a beer, whatever. I still have those, by the way, but I don't, you know, it's just a different level, I think. And uh, so learning to eat healthy has been a huge benefit. Making friends and they respecting the fact that you're older and you have some knowledge that they want to know about. And that's kind of interesting because sometimes I think when you get to be in your 60s and older, people think of you they don't even think of you, you know, you're kind of like invisible to them. No, that's kind of not, not a good commentary on people, but it's sometimes true. I, I mean, I find that to be sometimes true. So that you have something of interest to people that want your knowledge is, 
you know, affirming and helpful as you, as I become older. And I actually see myself coaching for years to come. I mean, I, I enjoy it that much. And I don't feel like because I'm going to be 70 at some point that no one's going to want to hire me because I'm 70. You know, they, they want to hire you because you know what you're doing. So um, I just think that's a better, the benefit. And then just feeling good about myself. You know, I just feel good because I'm healthy. And, and in the end, I really believe um, that all you have is your health and the love, the people that love you, but your health, if you don't have good health, it's a, you know, it's a harder, I don't know, harder life, maybe, um, for lack of a better word at this point, it's just harder not to be healthy. And it's, it's a good message to send, whether you're sending it to your family, to your clients, to just people out in the world. Right. It's, it's the benefits of, of your health and being in control of it at this age and being able to be in your prime and racing your best races and all of this stuff. As a master's athlete. As a master's athlete. Yeah. And it's such a cool thing to be, you know, I, I feel like I'm in the best shape of my life. I'm 42. Um, I feel like I got a lot of, I got plenty of time, you know, you but it's like, you really do. Yeah. And so it's such a great message when people feel like they reach a certain age and it's like, it's not getting better. When I talk to people like you, it just proves that it absolutely can get better. Oh, absolutely. And you know, it's amazing as people say, well, you know, how, you know, you're 60, 61 years old. How is it that you, you know, can do what you do? And I just said, I think because I'm a happy, you, you need to be, have a great outlook in life one, but, and, and I just, again, eating healthy is the key to so many things and, and getting a good night's sleep like that is so important. And, uh, you know, just little things like that, that just add up, you know, to make you happy and people see you, they're like, Oh, you, I mean, I'm not always happy, but I, for the most part, am. it really is amazing how eating well for your body whatever that means for your body and yeah. sleeping, like what a difference that can make in your life. And I think, I know when I was younger, I didn't care about sleep, No, but, but I do now. And so it, it just like really making that a priority in your life can really change your day. Everything about it. And, and I will say the other thing that has, you know, not necessarily what we're talking about, but when I was trying to recover and I was, you know, three, two weeks on not doing anything, I took a nap every day for like three hours because one, I couldn't do anything, but, but I, I, I firmly believe, and you know, that that's how I recovered to the extent that I recovered. There was doing PT and following the plan and, and all of that. But I think without, you know, sleeping at night and taking a nap during the day, which, you know, when you're not working, you, you have the you know option to do that when you're recovering from something. I think people maybe don't do that and they stress out more. And, and so sleep is, I actually learned these past 18 months, how important that is to life. What a, what a great thing to learn when you're laid yes. up with an injury, you know, yes. your yes. body clearly was craving the rest and you let it have it aside from eating well and sleeping. Cause we definitely covered that. What advice would you give to someone who may be around your age, maybe has entertained the idea of trying a triathlon, but might find it intimidating or out of his or her league? I would say, um, that you find like the Y, for instance, the YMCA will have um, like my Y has like a little tri group that that meets or find find a coach or find somebody, you know, who 
has the passion or not even the passion, but just who will, will do it with you, a training partner for the run or a training partner to go swim, or even if it's just the two of you going to a pool, you can find all kinds of things online. Like if you need a workout, it's, you just have to type it in and you, you, you know, you have a handful of great information, but I, I think if it's something you want to try, you, you owe it to yourself to try it because until you cross that first finish line, you're not going to know until you try it. And a lot of people, the hold back for them is that they can't swim. But I have coached people who had no swim background. I've, I've coached a girl who's done, I think, three iron, three or four Ironmans by now, and she didn't know how to swim. But, you know, again, it's if, if you have the courage to try and the patience and the, the perseverance to stick with it, you can complete it. No, and not an Ironman. Like I wouldn't recommend an Ironman for anybody for a few years. I think you have to pay your dues and start with a sprint and learn to know your body. But, but certainly in, in the, your 60s, it's a great sport to be able to do because you're not just running and pounding your body and you're, you know, you can bike inside if you don't feel safe going outside. You can get a trainer and just spin inside. I mean, there's all kinds of ways that you can become successful at it. And, um, I just think, you know, finding the right person or people to do it with is key. Yeah. Find that support system, get that coach if you need it and just do it. I mean, you're, I'm speaking to someone whose first race ever in life was a triathlon. So you could make that your first race or you could build up with other smaller races if you want to, but it's absolutely doable. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's just such a good thing. I mean, in your 50s and 60s, you probably have more time in life than you do in your 30s and 40s. And you have more free time. And so it's just a matter of deciding if that's what you want to do. If that piques your interest at all, I, I think it's something that you would want to try. I find it interesting that you talk about how in your 50s and 60s you have more time because I'm finding that I'm talking to the, a lot of the people I'm talking to do these longer distance or ultra distance races. I'm talking to a number of ultra athletes in a variety of different disciplines. And that's a, it's a very common thread with people in this age group. And I hadn't really thought about it. It's like, oh, I have all this time. I might as well do something really long. But, but that is a common thread that I'm finding. So I just find that interesting. Yeah. The whole thing has been a fascinating journey actually. And, uh, you know, and I hope I, I have the ability to do it into my eighties. Now, Will I be able to? I don't know. You know, I, mean, <laughs> I would have said before I had knee, a knee thing that was certainly doable. You know, it would be really slow, but it would be fun to be out there and be one of the oldest competitors. You know, something like that, that just kind of keeps you going. I believe that you can. Yeah, well, maybe I'm 80. Let's see, when I'm 80, you'll be 62. So, yeah, we might have the same conversation in 20 years. Yeah, right? maybe we'll run a race together. <laughs> yeah, yes, that would be awesome. So do you have one parting piece of wisdom that you've learned in your competitive journey that you'd like to share with our listeners before we go today? I would say pick whatever it is. You know, it doesn't matter if it's a book club or, you know, a sport or find what is something that you enjoy. I mean, for me, it's a passion, but even just enjoyment and then find find um, people and get out and meet people because I sometimes think the older we become, the more insular we become. So if you can, you know, meet people and have 
a, a life, a piece of life that's yours. You are a, a lucky, blessed person. It makes for a little bit more happiness in life, I believe. And, uh, and then the, the other part is just to believe in yourself and your talent and your ability in whatever that is and to persevere and have courage. Sometimes it's courage to just get out the door. And if you can do that, you win. I love everything about that. Life can be challenging. A lot of people have challenging jobs, challenging careers, things that demand your attention. Other people demand your attention. Other people demand your time. So to have that one thing that is yours, whether it's a hobby, a passion, a sport, having that one thing that is yours and can take your mind off of the pressures of the world. I couldn't agree with you more. It's so incredibly important. And if you, if you're lucky enough to find that your life will be that much richer. Yeah, it's just richer. You're right. If someone wants to train with you or learn more about what you do as a triathlon coach, how can they find you? I do have a, a website called Sophia coaching and um, that's S O P H I E A and then coaching, all one word. And um, I think you can find me there. There's an email there. But, um, you know, mostly I, it's word of mouth and people find me like through something like this, for instance. Um, so, oh, and the other thing I was going to tell you, the one thing I do want to do, I want to be a speaker. Like I want to get out and share my story about this. So someday that's what I want to work towards. That's also a goal of mine. So it's always good to have goals. I think that's a fantastic goal. And based on this conversation, I think you have some great stories to tell. Be fun. If anyone out there is looking to book inspiring guests, go to Sophia Coaching. I imagine, I'm guessing there's a way for you to be contacted through there. Yeah. Otherwise, I think they just have to use my uh, email address with just my name, you know, at Gmail. So laurasofia at gmail.com is another way you can be reached. Yes. All right. And I will have that in my show notes as well. So I'll have that all written out. So if anyone wants to contact Laura for coaching or for speaking or just questions. I'll answer questions. I do that a lot for people. They send me, drop me an email and I didn't respond back. I can testify that you respond quickly because I reached out to you blindly via Facebook (laughs) and you responded really quickly and agreed to be on the season athletes. Yeah. So cool. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. I'm super grateful. Thank you for being on the season athlete. It was a pleasure doing this really was. I really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. And I can't wait to follow what you do and see how things go in Kona this year. Yes. I'll be there. So awesome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the seasoned athlete podcast. The music you heard on this episode is from bensound.com. All right, friends, I have a really big favor to ask. I need your help to get the word out about Season Athlete. How can you do that? It's really easy. Just share. Share it with your friends, your family, your network, or anyone you think might benefit from the stories told by the incredible athletes featured on this show. Send out an email, share on social media, or sing our praises from the mountaintops. The more you talk about Season Athlete, the more people we can reach inspire and motivate through this show. Thank you so much for listening and thank you so much for your help. And while you're at it, follow us on social seasoned athlete podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And Hey, do you know someone who would make a great guest on this show? Shoot us an email seasonedathlete at gmail.com and tell us all about them. Or if it's you tell us all about yourself. Now go out there and embrace your extraordinary, my fellow seasoned athletes, because you know what you so can.